Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Redskins have played one game, and one of their biggest stars is already beefing with their head coach. This is going to be one fun season. This is the Pigpen Podcast. Let's break down week one. Drag up that diesel. This is the Big Pen Podcast. I am Denton Day at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Tweet at me there. We are breaking down week one of the NFL season for the Redskins who suffer a 32 to 27 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. If this is your first time listening, uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We are everywhere. Join the community at hogshaven.com. And then, of course, follow us on Twitter at hogshaven. We got a lot of stuff to break down in this one. I'm going to try and keep this as short and sweet as possible. But a lot of stuff went down in the game. We are going to talk about the beef between Jay Gruden and Adrian Peterson. But we're going to get to the actual game stuff first. This was a different game for the Redskins. They came out hot. I mean, the score reflects 32-27. to It sure seems like it was a close game throughout the majority of the game, but it certainly was not. This was the tale of two halves, and this is something that has kind of plagued Jay Gruden throughout his time here in D.C. because it sure seems like he is really great at playing two different halves every single week. And generally speaking, the first half is the one that sucks, and then they'll make some adjustments, and they'll come out really good in the second half, and they'll actually make it a ball game. Well, this was the opposite, because the first half, the Redskins were on fire. Case Keenum had some sort of fire up his ass, and he was firing on all cylinders. The team looked really, really good. And in the second half, every single good thing that they did in the first half was completely non-existent. It is like it just evaporated in the locker room, and it was gone. The team was atrocious in the second half. There was no running game at all. You were forcing Case Keenum to make all of the throws in the world. The line kind of held up a little bit. I was actually kind of surprised with how the offensive line did, but the defense was a train wreck. And we'll get to why I think the defense was a train wreck in a second, but we got to talk about this offense. We will. There's one bright star from this entire game. There's one guy that stood out above all else, and that is rookie Terry McLaurin. That dude is awesome. 
He had a fantastic game today. He should have had two touchdowns. Case missed him just a little bit on a deep throw in the third quarter. But for his first real NFL game, Terry McLaurin came to play. Five receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. And, of course, that 70-yard touchdown uh, strike from Keenum to McLaurin. This dude is awesome. The way that he attacks the football uh, on one of the drives late in the second quarter is kind of what sums up Terry McLaurin for me. He's a great deep threat, great speed, but a guy that's not afraid to put his body on the line to come back and attack a football, and it ultimately ended up helping us get three points at the end of the at the end of the first half there because of his ability to come back and fight for the ball. So what I what we saw from Terry McLaurin today was nothing short of spectacular. It, it legitimizes this idea of cutting Josh Doxson because I know there were a lot of questions of do we need to cut Josh Doxson? Do we have guys that can pick up the slack? And if what we saw from Terry McLaurin today is going to be even remotely consistent, he doesn't have to do it every single week, but this is already better than Josh Doxson ever played with us. So this this validates that move. The idea and the decision to cut Josh Doxson is validated because of what Terry McLaurin did in week one. So at the very least, that is some sort of positive when it comes to this football game. There were not many, but that is one of them. He played really, really well. Trey Quinn had a couple of nice plays, but he didn't really do a whole lot. It was nice to see someone wearing 18 making some plays. Paul Richardson made a couple of nice catches. He also had a big drop as we were kind of struggling offensively in the second half. But the, the winner offensively for us was Terry McLaurin, the Vernon Davis Touchdown was also a whole lot of uh, awesome, a whole lot of awesome, a whole lot of fun, however you really want to describe it. I didn't know the the kind of the emotional ties to why he was getting emotional. I, I didn't know the story behind that until a few minutes after. So when I saw him get up crying after a, a ridiculous leap up, uh, I thought, oh, no, Vernon Davis is hurt. But once I got the uh, the premise and the context of the story, it was a fantastic way uh, for him to score a first touchdown, and it was great that he did, being everything that was going on in his life. So that was that was awesome. But we have to understand at least a little bit that Vernon Davis is probably not going to make that play very often. And I believe in sort of, I guess, the mystique and the magic of situations like that where he was doing that for his grandfather. And I do think that impacted the way that he was not only able to leap over a defender, but stay in bounds and not get tackled and not get pushed out of bounds and then run for the touchdown. That's not going to happen a whole lot, but it did on this day, and it was a whole lot of awesome. The awesome on the offense stops after that. Now, I thought in the very beginning, when we were making some sort of effort, it felt like to run the football, I thought Darius Geis was running hard. He wasn't getting a whole lot of yards, but he was running hard. And I'm a firm believer that if a guy is running hard, eventually the yards will come. So when I looked at the box score, I was stunned in the fact that the yards did not come at all. 10 carries, 18 yards. It sure felt like he was playing a whole lot better in the first half. And maybe that's just because the Redskins were winning and the Redskins were putting up a lot of points. But it sure felt like he was playing a lot better in the first half than 10 carries for 18 yards. And we will get to what that means because this that stat line is going to be important in this beef with Jay Gruden and Adrian Peterson. On to the defense real quick. They got decimated in the second quarter. Not the second quarter, second half, excuse me. They got torn apart in every which way possible. The line, which was supposed to be our strength, was getting dominated at the point of attack, and the Eagles were just running all over us. Carson Wentz looked like damn near MVP form in that second half. He did not in the first half. So what was the issue? What was the big difference between the defense in the second half and the first half? And the big answer, uh, where's 93 on his chest? 
because we didn't have John Allen at all. Now, we didn't have him for a lot of the first half, but we did have him for the first half. And when he was in there, the Redskins defense held their own. When he was not in there, they did not hold their own. It's really that simple. And I know that there are a lot of people that are going to support uh, Deron Payne and say he's the best uh, of that group of him, Allen, and Ioannidis. But I have been a firm believer that John Allen is the best of that trio. And not having him was terrible. I mean, it, it made the defense look like Swiss cheese. There was just a massive hole in a spot almost every single play where John Allen was normally lining up. So he is he is an essential part to the strength of this defense because I truly believe that if all three of those guys are healthy, they can be a dominant trio on the defensive front. But when you lose one of them and a guy that I think is the best of the three, there is such a noticeable difference in the in the the way that they attack the line of scrimmage, the ferocity, and the way they actually make plays. Because without John John Allen, this was a completely different defensive unit and not in a good way. It was a bad, bad defense without John Allen. We had absolutely, and I mean absolutely, zero pass rush. The guys on the outside provided zero pass rush. Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, where are you? I mean, where are you? Those are the two guys that we have been hoping for, hoping that they're going to be like, all right, they are going to get after the passer. Montez Sweat, this hell of an athlete, he is going to get after the passer. He didn't have the best preseason in the world, but he showed some signs. And we thought, all right, this dude is going to be a nightmare. And he was a nightmare. He just wasn't a nightmare for the other team. He was a nightmare because he wasn't there. And Ryan Kerrigan is kind of in that same boat. Eventually, Ryan Kerrigan's contract is going to come up. And this is a guy, it's going to be tough to let him go because he is such a powerful member of this community. But if he does this on a consistent basis, it's going to be a whole lot easier. Those two guys have to produce, and they know it. Like, I'm not saying anything that these two guys don't know here. Those two guys know that they need to get after the quarterback, and they need to do it on a pretty frequent basis. We are rushing with five and six guys at times, and we're still not getting great pressure on Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. There's no denying that. I hate the Eagles, hate him to death, but he's a great quarterback. He has some sort of mobility, but he is not like this super elusive guy. And they still couldn't get any pressure on him. He was evading them like it was easy, like he's playing against JV kids. You have to get pressure on the quarterback. You cannot face a former MVP or a former almost MVP. I didn't actually want a former almost MVP, a guy that probably would have won the MVP had he stayed healthy. You can't face him on his home turf, and not get pressure on him and expect to win. So you have to get pressure on him. You need John Allen to stay healthy. You need to get pressure on him, on the quarterback. And then maybe this looks a little different. But the defense did not look good. And this was a part, like, I have been very, very vocal in this idea that this defense can be really, really good. We've seen in the first real game, the first full game, real action, that there's a lot of work to do. And we can point fingers on whoever. If you want to point fingers at the coordinators, go right ahead. I'm not stopping you from pointing fingers. But there is a lot of work that needs to be done. It starts with the pressure on the outside. It starts in that front seven. Our corners didn't play terrible, except when they lined up against Deshaun Jackson, which is just salt on the wound of the entire situation. Like, I know there's not really a whole lot of beef, I don't think, between us and Deshaun Jackson, although him and uh, Quentin Dunbar did have a little spat that they got going on here. But it didn't feel like entering this game like that was a big storyline. It's like Deshaun Jackson returning against Washington. Like, that wasn't really a thing. But damn, he had a great game. 
it would have been really nice if he'd saved that for literally anyone else. 154 yards and two touchdowns on eight receptions for Deshaun Jackson. This is a guy that I thought had three routes. And in fairness, he really only had about three routes in that game. It's just that one of them worked twice, which is running straight. He was matched up one-on-one with Josh Norman, which is kind of a personal hell for me and anyone with eyes. And then there was a miscommunication, and he got two big touchdowns. There's no, they didn't jam him at the line of scrimmage. There wasn't a whole lot of safety help over the top. The dude literally just ran straight, and no one could keep up with him, and he scored twice. It was bad. It was real, real bad. This is a game that it feels like they should have won, even though they were significantly outplayed in the second half. But it sure felt like the Redskins had some sort of real opportunity to pull off a big stunner. I mean, they covered. So if you're a betting man and you bet the Redskins to to not lose by 10, congratulations, you won that. But I don't really do a whole lot. I'm not a moral victory type of dude. Terry McLaurin was great, but other than that, We're not in the greatest spot in the world. We need to run the football, and we need to do it a lot better than what we did. And our defense needs to get it together. Philly is a good offense, but they shouldn't have scored 32 points, most of which came in the second half. They have to be better. It's really that simple. They have to be better. All right, so we're going to get into this, uh, this beef. Because this is gonna this is gonna be something. If it's not a whole lot of something yet, it is going to be something. This beef between Jay Gruden and Adrian Peterson. For the past few weeks, it sure seems like there have been a whole lot of whispers of this idea that Jay Gruden was not a fan of keeping Adrian Peterson. It's a strange idea considering that he was the best player on offense last year. But the whispers were that Jay Gruden was really in favor of of turning the keys over fully to Darius Geis. An idea that I don't hate. I like I want to make that clear. Despite the fact that Darius Geis didn't have the best game in the world, he's still a good football player. And he's still a guy that I think is eventually going to make plays. We gotta remember that was literally his first NFL game. So for all intents and purposes, he's not actually a rookie, but Darius Geis is essentially a rookie when it comes to regular season games. So he didn't play the best in his first game. But also we don't really have the greatest offensive line at the moment, especially on that left side, we have, in the past, had all of this success running the ball. It's always been to the left side behind Trent Williams. He is not here. We will touch on that in just a second because this Adrian Peterson beef might play into Trent Williams. But for whatever reason, Jay Gruden didn't want Adrian Peterson. And we heard these rumors, we heard these whispers, and we're like, all right, yeah, whatever, whatever. I mean, basically, that was it. It was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then the regular season started as we prepared for week one. And all of a sudden, these whispers started getting louder and louder and louder. And lo and behold, Sunday today arrives. The news about two, maybe three hours before game time, Adrian Peterson, healthy scratch. It's like your worst fears coming to fruition. And I get it. Look, like I'm not, I'm not a dumb, I'm not an idiot. I understand how football works. The Redskins' special teams sucked in the preseason, and what Jay Gruden did was make room for more people that could play on special teams. But damn, did you really have to sit Adrian Peterson? I mean, did we, did we actually need that? 
because it kind of feels like we didn't. It kind of feels like this is some sort of real personal vendetta for whatever the case may be between these two guys with one of the guys having significantly more power to do something about it than the other because it really didn't feel like we needed to sit Adrian Peterson. And our special teams did a, a decent job. I mean, they, they were fine. But running the football is pretty damn important when it comes to setting a rhythm for your offense. And seeing that Jay Gruden is an offensive coach, you would think that he would understand that. Play Adrian Peterson. And he had some quotes. There was one quote that he had that's pretty damning. I mean, it really is. It's making its way across Twitter. It's been, it's on a lot, it's on a lot of sites, probably on this site. It's, it's everywhere. There's one quote that stands out that is pretty bad. And it reads, We have a game where we think we can run the ball 55 times in the game in the I formation, then sure, I'll get him up. We really could have used Adrian Peterson today. And this was a quote that was after the game. Like, this wasn't some pregame quote where Jay Gruden is just kind of talking about the mentality of why he decided to do this. This was after the game where we rushed for 28 yards. And he's out here talking about, well, yeah, you know, maybe we run a little bit more. Damn, bro, that's your job. Run the ball more. Adrian Peterson is not going to be the same guy that he was last year, right? Like, we get how this running back age thing works. When you hit a certain age, you kind of fall off a cliff a little bit. The fact that Adrian Peterson had over 1,000 yards last year was kind of miraculous, if we're being honest. But he's a freak individual who's not built like most other people. And we understand that. But the odds that he was going to do that again were very slim. Something that we also understood. But the idea of having Adrian Peterson here was to not only get some good carries, but to split it up a little bit with Geis and help Geis kind of get his feet wet so when next season comes around or later in this season, then we can make this move. You don't sit the guy in week one. I I feel like this isn't brain surgery here. Does Jay Gruden not want this job? Is that what this is? Is he going on his own little Antonio Brown revolt, if you will, trying to get himself fired? Because there's no way, logically, that you can explain why Adrian Peterson was sat after the game, especially being that they didn't run the ball well. If you want to do the special teams route, fine, whatever. But after the game, you can't logically explain like, oh, yeah, you know what, if we did that game 10 times, I'd want to sit him 10 times. It's a ridiculous idea. It's a horrifying idea. This is the offensive coach that's supposed to know how to run a good offense. And when you have a healthy Adrian Peterson, he would help run a good offense. It's really that simple. I'm not saying he would have came out and rushed for 100 yards today. I'm not. He probably would have rushed for more than 18, though. And that's not even a knock on Darius Geis. Because putting Adrian Peterson in there with Darius Geis and with Chris Thompson is a change of pace. It keeps the defense on their toes. And hell, he didn't even use Darius Geis in a crucial situation. There's a third and short as we are trying to move the ball down the field. He didn't even run Darius Geis. He ran Chris Thompson in third and short. I mean, what are you doing? Thompson is a change of pace back that can occasionally have some really good runs out of the backfield, but he's a guy that's going to catch some passes. He's a guy that's going to keep the defense on their toes. You don't run him on third and short. You run the big boys, the guys that are literally going to truck over people. That's just not what Chris Thompson does. And we need to understand this. Like, we should know this by now. 
Jay Gruden, who has led this team for years, a lot longer than he should have, he should know this by now. So the fact that he sat Adrian Peterson, is it makes no sense. It's mind-boggling. It truly is. And then there's the Trent Williams angle. And I don't know how this aspect is going to play out. This is stuff that, these, these are questions that I don't have the answer to. But we know Adrian Peterson and Trent Williams are friends. And when I say friends, they are good friends. Like, they like each other very much. Trent Williams is not at all happy with the Redskins right now. And he is the best damn player on the team. We are doing our best to get him back here. That has not helped at all by not playing Adrian Peterson. It's not. Trent could be great friends with Darius guys too. He could be. He'd be great friends with Chris Thompson. He could be great friends with literally every single player on here. But sitting Adrian Peterson is not the message you want to send to the left tackle that you kind of want back. And Jay Gruen can talk all this noise about how I'm numb to the fact of this Trent Williams stuff. I don't care. You still want him back. Because I know Jay Gruden will be happy as all hell if Trent Williams comes strolling in on Monday. Because everyone will be happy as hell if he comes strolling in on Monday. But you are not helping the fact when you sit his really good friend because it almost gives off the vibe that you don't want to win. That's what that is. Because if you want to win, you're going to pull out all the stops and all the stops include playing a healthy Adrian Peterson. This isn't rocket science. And if Jay Gruden can't understand that, it's time to go. We've done enough of this lack of preparation. We've done enough of not getting guys ready to play, not making adjustments at the half. We've done enough of this. There are no results that prove right now that he needs to be leading this team for the future. That is what he's coaching for right now. And not playing Adrian Peterson is a very bad step in that direction if you are still Team Jay Gruden, which at this point, I am not. If there's someone else that can run this team, bring them in. Because the decisions he's made are stupid. This was a game that the team had. You shouldn't lose when you post 20 in the first half. When you dominate a team that many people think are going to be Super Bowl contenders, you shouldn't lose when you dominate them in the first half. It's really that simple. And you got to play your best players. Don't turn us into the damn Dolphins. Don't do it. So if that means Jay's gone, he's gone. Let him go. I'd love to know your guys' thoughts on this at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Or down below in the comments section on thehogshaven.com. Let me know if it's time to finally get rid of Jay Gruden. It is. And if we're being honest, it may have been time a long time ago. We may have held on just a little too long here. Let me know your thoughts on that and the Adrian Peterson situation. But give some praise to the boy Terry McLaurin, man. That dude balled out. He did his job. And we got to recognize that. We don't do moral victories But we got to give some praise to Terry McLaurin for balling out on his first real NFL game. He deserves that. All right, y'all, that's it for me. At Den underscore day on Twitter. I'll see you next time on the Pigpen Podcast. 